Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to Dunked On Prime. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're on the regular Dunked On feed, we'll give you just a little bit of a taste here of our draft coverage. Hopefully you can join up for the whole thing. And then obviously on Friday, that's going to be the big one where we do every single signing, how much cap space every team has. Of course, if you sign up for Dunked On Prime Total Access, you can get the salary sheets, which are out now, updated for everything that happened during the draft as best we could keep up with all of it because we don't have the official transactions yet. But based on everything that's reported, I tried to keep up with it in real time. But the way we're going to do this, we'll go through the whole draft pick by pick. We'll get to the trades in line as they occur as we talk about those teams. And arguably two of the bigger news pieces today were not draft related at all. One is Clay Thompson suffering an apparent Achilles injury. And we'll talk about that a little bit as it respects uh, relates to Golden State's draft. But we'll wait until we get the official news. There's some thought from Woj and Brian Windhorst that maybe it's not a full tear and he might be able to come back this season. Certainly none of it good uh, to be clear. Uh, but we'll just wait for the full analysis of that presumably tomorrow when the MRI happens and then Bogdan Bogdanovich that deal who knows what's going on there but apparently as of now they say the reporting is that that's not going to happen there could be some water being carried there for anti-tampering a lot of speculation going on we'll get a chance to get into that more tomorrow maybe some more reporting on that will emerge and we're not that far away from free agency as well but if it really does look like that's not going to happen we'll of course tell you what that means for the bucks and the kings but let's get started here with the number one overall pick even a week ago this probably would have been viewed as a surprise uh but we had mike schmitz on on monday he said we're moving anthony edwards up to number one with minnesota lots of talk that minnesota was looking to trade down but anthony edwards out of georgia is indeed the number one overall pick to the minnesota Timberwolves. yeah and edwards not the top player on either one of our boards though we both had him, you know, relatively close due to his physical talent and the idea I, that... I wouldn't say I had him close. I had him two tiers below the guy I had. Number oh, one. you had him two tiers? I had him one tier below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess I never fully did that, but I we put that out for Duntown Prime Total Access subscribers today. My, t- my board was LaMelo tier one, Wiseman tier two, and then Edwards heading tier three, but in a tier with a bunch of other people that I really struggled to differentiate. So... Obviously, I think this is a mistake for Minnesota. And I think the biggest takeaway that I had was this is once again, I mean, tripling down really on D'Angelo Russell. Now, maybe they just felt that Anthony Edwards was the best player anyway. I disagreed with that. But first, they gave up a draft pick to get D'Angelo Russell on a max contract. And then they passed on the guy 
that I thought was the best player that has a much higher upside to me than D'Angelo Russell, likely in part because they have D'Angelo Russell to take Anthony Edwards instead. And we'll see whether in fact that was the right decision. I'm not going to the level of DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic because LaMelo to me is not that level of prospect. But this does kind of remind me of that a little bit where, okay, we're going to, one of the teams is like, yeah, we need a big guy. We're just going to take him for whatever reason. And then the other team was like, well, we kind of have someone at that position with the Kings. It was De'Aaron Fox, presumably. And they went with Marvin Bagley instead. And so, uh, but your overall thoughts here uh, on Anthony Edwards and his fit in Minnesota. The hope is that Edwards, you know, that, that playing with those two offensive talents and Russell and Towns will help improve that shot selection. Maybe there's some accountability from the coaching staff to get there. But another huge challenge for me will be the issue of accountability defensively. So now you have three players that you've expended significant assets. Carl Anthony Towns was the number one pick. D'Angelo Russell was the apple of Gerson Rosas's eye. And now Anthony Edwards, they chose over everyone else. None of them have been particularly engaged on defense. And and we'll see where that goes. And I mean, yes, Minnesota could have an interesting offense, especially in a couple of years. But it, the idea of if you have three guys with that kind of pedigree that they could become something, you know, dramatically greater than that, it's going to rely on becoming at least an average defensive team. And that is, you know, th- that's not necessarily the guard's job. But I think that is a real challenge when you're thinking about what Minnesota is and what they could be. Yeah, and LaMelo probably wouldn't have been much better than Edwards defensively. Edwards has better tools. I think LaMelo is smarter defensively, but that's definitely a concern. I mean, the guy who reminds people more of Andrew Wiggins than just about anyone who's been a high draft pick over the last five years goes to the Wolves after they just traded a lightly protected first rounder in what's supposed to be a great draft to get off of Andrew Wiggins, and now they're doing that experiment again. They definitely need to get more athleticism, and maybe Anthony Edwards is going to get get it defensively, but I don't know that Ryan Saunders has a track record of getting young players to defend. I would say quite the opposite, in fact. And while he definitely is the best fit of any of the players, and Wiseman wouldn't even work out for them, I I just thought Ball was so much better of a talent. And so let's take a look now at what this means for the Wolves roster. You imagine, uh, I'll tell you what, if Anthony Edwards isn't the starting two guard at the start of the season, I'm already going to be having like a few alarm bells. What this means for Malik Beasley is very interesting as well. Because... Well, and, and, sorry, can I... Can I yeah, uh, go ahead. You, but so, I mean, the Beasley thing would be a lot less surprising. So, you know, you bring in somebody at the same position as a player who you who you have on roster, it, except that Garrison Rosas hasn't been on the job that long, and he's the one who traded for Malik Beasley. You know, remember, they gave up a first-round pick to get Beasley and Wancho. They both pending restricted free agents shortly before they were going to be restricted free agents. Beasley was productive, though we, of course, have the, the off-court issues that we're dealing with. And I don't believe personally that Edwards or Beasley can really function full-time at the three. I mean, maybe you can do it for periods of time. And it's possible that Beasley's market is just so heinous that it that you you don't have to worry about that financially or anything like that but it definitely looks like Beasley's not a priority for the Timberwolves at all and even if they did best player available that's still writing on the wall that this team doesn't this team doesn't envision you as a key part of their future yeah now he's is kind of a microwave score third guard type 
But keep in mind, they've also got Josh Okogie on this team. Maybe they see him as more of a three. They've also got Jared Culver on this team as well. Oh, and by the way, they also have Ricky Rubio now <laughs> on this team. Well, and and that's where well. I wanted to go because the the trade as it as it, as it happened, it was kind of dumbfounding to me. I mean, we got the early reports from John Krasinski, and I'm just like, wait, what the hell is going on? And so the. Timberwolves traded the 17th pick for 25 and 28. 28 was was the pick that OKC got in the Dennis Schroeder deal. And Ricky Rubio, we presume James Johnson is going out for matching salary. I haven't seen that formally, but it's really the only way this trade works. And Rubio, totally capable player, probably close to properly paid. But not only is he expensive, he's duplicated by other players they already have, and he has money for next year. So basically now, like my really rough estimate of it... Because remember, the number one pick makes a ton of money. Is that if Minnesota gives Malik Beasley a reasonable contract or uses the mid-level exception, they might be pushing into the luxury tax next year. So it's so hard for this team to get better by in any real way. Yeah, the, the asset play on this is interesting. I, I understand that. Obviously, Rubio is a big favorite there. I mean, it seems like many of these moves by the Wolves are driven a little bit by emotion. He's so beloved there. He has this great relationship with Ryan Saunders and. And Glenn Taylor, not exactly known for his detached, rational thinking. But I think the asset play is relatively neutral here. I think, you know, James Johnson is way overpaid for this year rubio relatively probably paid is it maybe it's possible that rubio and d'angelo russell start together in the backcourt and edwards either starts at the three or comes off the bench and who knows who the hell the four is going to be and then it's carl anthony towns at the five maybe they bring back uh, Juancho hernan gomez maybe there was also just a thought that malik beasley's name was kind of kind of mud in the community with the disturbing allegations against him that they just weren't particularly interested in giving him a big contract and that maybe they'll try and just put the screws to him in restricted free agency or sign and trade him or something like that they did of course give up the first rounder to get him but they didn't know they were going to have the number one overall pick that has a way of changing some things these days and but but i think what do you think of 25 and 28 and rubio for johnson and 17 just as an asset play only not necessarily looking at their 2021 22 books where they've added 17.8 million dollars I think it's reasonable from Minnesota's perspective. I mean that they are adding that money for next year, but they're adding it to a player who can actually help them and who will make it, who will be make them a lot better this year relative to what James Johnson would have given them. And 25 and 23 versus 17, I mean that's well, yeah, I mean so cuz No, 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 20, the, 25 and 28. 25 and 28. Um it, it I it's hard cuz I can't take to some of the specific stuff of these players cuz they, they're all guys I didn't watch film on after Cole Anthony went. Um but generally speaking I think trading up, which is the part that okay, Oklahoma City did, I generally think that is, you know, generally you give up more value that direction. So yeah, yeah. from that perspective, so, sometimes I'm, teams give up too much though. I, I mean, I think if you look at the studies, teams right. generally pay too much. Yeah, like the famous, unless, the famous yeah. Doug McDermott, Nurkic, Gary Harris trade. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's, uh, but that one, you know, so to get to 17, I mean, yeah, it all depends. You know, Alexei Pogosevsky is the guy that OKC apparently wanted there. And the, there's speculation from Hollinger, which makes a lot of sense. You know, Pogosevsky is like such a Mavs kind of player that OKC wanted to get one spot ahead of the Mavs so that they could take him. And so I guess, and I'm just, I'm not sure whether... 
Rubio or James Johnson. I guess James Johnson is a little bit worse of an asset than Rubio just because he's, you know, really viewed as dead salary this year. But Rubio, you know, going into what, 31 in 21-22, making 18 million. He's not even going to start for the Wolves. I mean, that's that's tough. I mean, paying just overall the concept, especially for a team that's where they are now, of paying almost $18 million for a third guard who might not even be that good in 21-22. I mean, in theory, Anthony Edwards would be starting for you by that point. He better be. Um, that's that that is relatively dubious to me I, I would say and I do think you know 25 and 28 for 17 that's kind of about what it should be based on those charts but then to and maybe you can say the Thunder just really wanted to get off of Rubio and just not have that salary for next year so that they can again do, do this taking on bad contracts thing as they have been doing um, and, and we'll shift to them I think probably after we talk about the Wolves but uh, really this it's just a little bit weird I mean it's just one of these things that seems driven by emotion again where i just don't and, and you know they had a guy i thought was gonna be a perfectly serviceable backup point guard in jordan mclaughlin coming off a two-way now i'm you would think that any kind of an offer sheet probably would be able to get him um well and remember yeah. that they they let tyus jones go you know like it was a competent yeah. backup which was point probably a, a reasonable decision i mean that he sure. got a lot of money he got a lot of money i mean way less than rubio so yeah but ruby rubio is better than him too i mean and then maybe they just feel like all right we need some more stability we need i mean they do just need like ricky gets you out in transition he kind of stabilizes your defense a lot he just makes the bullshit hustle plays and i I think that's important and you know perhaps his impact in phoenix is underrated and but he's also not a playoff player maybe that doesn't matter as much to the wolves but this is just i didn't quite get it um any, well, any other wolves yeah go ahead sorry well and that's kind of the, the the challenge with some of these situations and this isn't as extreme as like I, I remember writing at the time or writing especially afterwards about washington the moves that they made where they basically signed all these guys to lucrative contracts wall beal and porter where each one of the deals kind of in its own idea made sense but then when you saw it together and that's my problem with minnesota is now they're a lot closer to set you know carl anthony towns d'angelo russell anthony edwards and you know they could move things around the margin you know, the Jarrett Culver's, Josh Okoke's of the world, but the team from a resource management doesn't really make sense. And remember that they, you know, they could potentially be without their pick next year. That's a challenge. And, you know, bringing in Rubio theoretically helps make them a little bit better, which means that it's more likely that the pick conveys, but it probably will be a decent one. So yeah, I just, I, I, I don't have a clear sense of what they want. And, and this is even kind of the same thing of just like leaving Ryan Saunders as the coach. Like, I don't think, I don't think there was much of a reason in terms of what we saw in the court to justify that. And then we really didn't see it last year either. And so like where, what is, how is Rosas putting a stamp on this team? I, I'm not, in, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I mean, I think one way he's putting a stamp on them is just tireless working of the phones, which we saw yes. from his old boss. And I mean, they were very aggressive. They're out there. They made a lot of moves. They're always involved in trade talks. I mean, they are, they are out there doing stuff to try to improve their team. Like I do give them credit for that, but I, I don't share a lot of their evaluations over time here. I mean, going back to the Culver trade, for example, I mean, I think with Culver, Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, I mean, those are your three biggest bets so far if you're Gerson Rosas. That's not an amazing resume at the moment. And maybe Edwards will turn out to be great. I don't know that. He does have the upside. But anyway, uh, also, let's finish out Minnesota's night here. 23rd pick. They ended up originally was Utah's, then got traded to the Knicks. 
Then Minnesota traded 25 and 33, which they initially had gotten from OKC. I mean, some of these, it's just amazing how many of these picks on the 20s changed hands over the years. I mean, there's some of them have been owned by four teams at, at times, but it, within the last year, even like the 24th pick, for example. So they drafted Leandro Bolmaro. I'm not sure whether Bolmaro is going to be coming over this year or not, but he's been compared to Rubio, played for FC Barcelona, uh, Argentinian, and not quite as fast as Rubio, not quite as awesome of a passer but has that same level of scrappiness defends better than he looks I, I thought it was it was pretty funny I was watching uh, a scouting video uh, on him and it showed him doing the Ricky Rubio stand in front of the big who's running the floor and fall down for a charge while the big is looking for the ball and I was <laughs> like oh well he's he doesn't need to learn that from Rubio but uh, there is going to be a, an aspect of mentorship there you would think and again he's kind of a combo guard the shooting is a little bit of a question but just kind of a tough connection guy i know a lot of people like him i didn't get to, to watch a ton of film on him but he definitely has that kind of trademark argentine scrappiness and we'll see how he works out and then they ended up getting 28 the other pick that they got from okc and going with Jaden mcdaniels somewhat similar player actually to uh Pokusevsky, who uh, although not quite as long as him and mcdaniels saw him two years in a row at the hoop summit he actually didn't play on the usa team he played for the portland generals because he's a seattle guy and very high skill level for his size kind of a string beam similar body type to uh, his brother jalen in charlotte who we talked about some in 15 and 60s over the years definitely a higher skill level than Jalen and Jaden McDaniels pretty solid shooter on spot ups gets has a good handle but doesn't have that much quickness to blow by people um and he's skinny not that athletic struggles with any kind of physicality at all definitely a gunner definitely takes some really bad shots you know a lot of his shots are put guys in the mix not really get a ton of separation and then just shoot over them from uh 21.9 feet uh, in college but he does show some some shot blocking ability lateral quickness is a question but he does have the body type of that skinny kind of guy with some length not crazy length not like brandon ingram he's more kind of the seven foot wingspan than like a seven three guy like ingram but definitely has that body type where he can improve his athleticism he's just gonna have, have to do it but a lot of guys like that have got better so at, at 28 a talent certainly someone that uh makes sense to potentially take there and it could slot in eventually as a stretch four with some athleticism and switchability uh, and ability to put it on the floor if he were to realize his potential but he, you know he also kind of just seems like a guy who gets frustrated easily um you know not really a winning type of player over the the course of his career so lots to work on for him but there's reasons available at 28 with some of the physical profile that he has man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz 
And we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us i think we're ready to move on to the second pick hopefully we're not gonna do <laughs> well also minutes. also uh i mean giving up the 33rd pick to move up two slots that seemed like not crazy value i mean they really i think wanted bulmaro but it's and maybe they felt like they needed to get ahead of new orleans who had 24 and then ended up trading it to denver but um well, let's actually, I mean, we talked about the OKC deal that was made. Maybe we need to finish up uh, on OKC now because all that really fits together sure. for for them, I think. They they also, of course, were very active. We talked about them moving up for Pokusevsky. Unclear whether he'll come over. He's playing in the Greek second division, much like Giannis Antetokounmpo, but uh, is Serbian, absolute string bean, like seven feet but has a a, a pretty good wingspan seven three his shooting he's got kind of a low release 
brings it up in front of his body but certainly extremely smooth one of the youngest guys in the draft maybe in fact the youngest guy in the draft he's playing for the second team for olympiacos extremely thin no physicality whatsoever but has really nice ball handling ability definitely a moldable clay type of prospect for a lot of teams that would really like that type of european player and i joked with hollinger on our pod like is he the next niklas skidishvili masiaj lampi or zarko kabarkaba kind of the next dirks but i would say that he has a lot more fluidity than all of those guys can't really jump at all yet but has some rim protection instincts and can put the ball on the floor i mean it's really just the skill level at seven feet with a seven foot wingspan very narrow thin shoulders though i would struggle to see him really being a five at the nba level maybe if he becomes a good enough rim protector he also you know like a lot of guys with that body type and that age just can't sit down in a stance just very narrow very upright gets blown by even in the greek second division and so this will be just the sort of developmental project that you want if if you're OKC he certainly has a lot of upside but I think that's going to depend on him becoming a real plus shooter because I'm not sure even at seven feet since he's not necessarily I don't see him necessarily being a center I'm not sure if he's like that good of a rim protector to be a center and certainly the strength would be an issue and then is the skill level high enough can he be strong enough to really be like a dominating score or is he kind of more just a stretch guy who can't really play center and then he's got to become a great shooter to work out but again in this draft the physical intrigue i mean there wasn't anyone below him where i'm like oh they really should have took this guy yeah i so i think we can jump from there i do want to talk about the rest of okc's draft or the big trade they made before the draft let's talk about the rest of their draft for, or, or uh, no let's talk about the trade sorry i'm uh, i'm exhausted i i can't decide what the hell i'll do so the, the trade which was gobsmacking to me uh is philadelphia sending al horford a future first round pick and i'll go through the the terms of that and a second round pick Plus the rights to, uh, I'm not going to get his first name right, but Misic, the guy that they've had the rights yeah, to the, forever. Vasilya Misic, someone that Vasilya. I've loved since all the way back in that 2014 draft. But uh, who knows when he'll come over. There's talk he might last year, then he re-signed in Europe. I don't know what his, I mean, I think he's 26, either 26 or 27 now. So He's the, the new um, Nando DiColo. Um, yeah, I mean, but he's, he is like a pick and roll magician and can shoot it, but has defensive questions. I mean, he's definitely an NBA player in my view. He's one of the best guards in Europe. And so there's so Philly sending those resources, Horford and the and picks and and the rights to Misich to Oklahoma City for Danny Green, and it is kind of amazing to me how Danny Green, I would argue, has been undervalued in trades three separate times in the last three years, and all he has done in the in the intervening time is be a starter and regular contributor on two NBA champions. And now, granted, Danny Green hasn't been the best player on either of those NBA champions. He missed a bunch of shots in the finals, which apparently people think is determinative of how he is in the future. But I really like this trade for Philadelphia. And it's interesting because Sam Presti has justifiably earned a reputation for his leverage plays and the the Paul Millsap trade sorry the, the Paul George trade most notable among those getting that haul from the Clippers so that they could also bring in Kawhi this to me is actually a poor leverage play because 
Al Horford's contract, even if he could rehab his value in Oklahoma City or elsewhere, is significantly worse than Danny Green's, and Philadelphia was against it. Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many aspects of this to talk about. It, did you, is that why you characterize yourself as gobsmacked, because that you, you thought OKC didn't do that well in this one? I agree. And so so the pick yeah. that Philadelphia is sending, it's top six protected in 2025, and then top four protected in 26 and 27. And then if... For whatever reason, the Sixers are that bad for three years in a row. Then it becomes a 2027 second round pick, a a structure of a first rounder reverting to a second that Oklahoma City and Philadelphia are very familiar with. Thank you, Mike Muscala. Um, and and other you know deals that Presti and Philadelphia have made in, in time. So yeah, that pick could end up being good. You know, Philadelphia could be a very different team at that point, but they are still pretty young, and they you know they have the building blocks to be a competitive team. Maybe not a great team at that point. Who knows but that's a pretty soft asset when you consider that Danny Green is you know a, a good player I would you know Horford is no slouch himself but like with when you consider that Philly is saving 42 million in outside of this season you know 42 million in 21 22 and 22 23 because that partial guarantee for Horford that's a ton of money and it and Horford you know maybe he rehabs his value but even if he's better than he was he's still probably not a positive value on the contract he's on yeah, I didn't think it was bad for OKC. I mean, as much as we might like Danny Green, I, I did think he took a significant step back last year from where he was two years ago, and that was going to continue to happen. And some of these 3 and D guys, yeah, maybe his value could have been built up, but Oklahoma City wants to suck this year. Like, they don't want to go into the season with Danny Green, and he wasn't going to look good on a team that was going to be this bad. Like, a lot of these role players just don't look good unless they're on good teams. They don't help unless they're on good teams. And so I think there's a reasonable thought that— Oh, I have no—to I have no, to be clear, I have no opposition to Oklahoma City moving Danny Green. I just don't think they this trade helped them as much as what they sacrificed. I mean, they, there's so much flexibility. They didn't use the leverage they had on, on, Phil, on Philadelphia. And— you talked about how Danny Green's not going to, you know, wouldn't make Oakley see that much better. Al, there's a chance that Al Horford does. I'm actually excited to see him and Shea play together, assuming yeah. that's what happens. He he is a better chance of rehabbing himself, I think, than than Danny Green does. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand they take they take on extra money for this year. That doesn't really matter. They take on 27 million extra for next year. I mean, that's the big one, and then 12 million likely the year after that. But they still project to have 63 million dollars in space for the summer of 2021 even with Al Horford so I don't think they're in well too well big here's of a my here's my here counter there that. it all counts I mean remember we talked about this with the Atlanta Hawks when they got to Wayne Deadman and we're like oh you know they're doing all the kind of stuff and yeah they still have more money than they know what to do with but it matters like I, I just I don't it, it matters if you're trying to be good I, well so I mean here's my thought is that I, I just don't know what other option they had to flip Danny Green that was going to get them a first round pick like I don't think any other team team other than philly was this desperate to lose some salary they got Misich, who knows they got 34 in this draft i mean that that's another reason too that's kind of you, you want to be able to make the pick w- with 34 um th- this year and i don't think that that is a you know, i think al horford and danny green are probably equally valuable players this year um in, in term and again it doesn't matter they're not trying to win I, I mean al horford could be gone he could be bought out um i think 
actually even having that big of a salary to send out could be a good thing for OKC because maybe they can take on an even worse contract after they rehabilitate Horford you would think and so to take on you know was Al Horford is probably maybe a 15 million dollar a year player so he's overpaid by maybe 25 million dollars to or so over the course of this deal maybe 30 million dollars possibly more than that if, if he gets worse but to get a first and a second and message like that's about the going rate for that kind of dead money and i think just to get that fair exchange uh at when you have that bird in the hand and i don't see the opportunity cost as being that high i think it was fine for them i think i think philly did well i thought the cost of getting off of horford might possibly be higher but i just didn't see what other option oklahoma city had for making this deal before the season and so that's i mean i'm sure they scoured everywhere else to try and find it they wanted to do it before the draft i don't know Nobody else apparently was that desperate to cut money right this very second. So they're like, hey, we, we don't want to just get stuck with Danny Green because if you tried to trade Danny Green just for an expiring, you're not getting a first. So to, to just, I, I mean, to me, yes, it may not be perfect, but you're using up assets that ultimately overpaying by a little bit doesn't matter to get the asset you really want which is the the future pick so th- that's my thought i i don't think it was it was bad i mean they're they're i mean maybe they overpaid slightly but i don't know what the alternative was to to doing that i think it's fun that we have a disagreement um so what else did okc do here uh so then they used the pick that be that they the 34th pick you that you alluded to they used that to draft uh teo maliadon who is the french point guard who's been playing who's been playing for uh, Tony Parker's team in Paris. I haven't seen him yet, but I'm I'm interested. You know, I don't I don't I haven't heard anything yet definitively on yeah. whether he's. I, I can give you like 20 seconds on him. He's just a, a taller but very thin pick and roll point guard. Has size. I think the, the, his ability in the pick and roll is his best aspect. He's I think he's going to be a solid enough shooter in time, but not incredibly athletic and extremely thin. But someone who I think shouldn't have gotten number 34. I think he could have should definitely have gotten higher than that. I I would say just based on the limited amount that I've. Seen seen i mean you know you could always just have picked another center <laughs> you know, i mean that was we'll talk more about that uh, in a second but um so yeah well, I, I mean, they, that seems like a totally fine pick i don't, I don't know again what the deal is whether he's going to come over this year or not i mean they might as well bring him over why not then okc we don't know the exact terms but they traded for the 37th pick from the washington wizards and took Vit krejci who is uh you're a, a check guard who is has a torn acl six foot seven playmaker and so he's probably not coming over this year yeah this is one where he with the torn acl they might have just given him a promise to stay in the draft that, and said that they would figure out a way to take him but yeah he he will he's a, another just you know it, it was it was ironic i thought when the wizards took him, i was like oh yeah like this another check point guard with the pick that they got for trading thomas sadaransky but alas it then uh got moved to okc immediately and then the other thing after that that okc originally had the rights to was the 53rd pick but then that went to washington in the deal so we can talk about that later yeah and one other thing of note here this deal for Horford, as OKC takes on a lot more money, Danny Green is only making about fifteen million, and Horford makes uh, twenty-seven. But it probably would they could have found a way to make it cap legal because OKC had a decent amount of cap space. If they fold these deals in with some of the other ones that they're doing, they oh, might. Oh, I, I to forgot to mention another piece of this trade because it wasn't in the original reporting. Yeah. The, the the Sixers also got Terrence Ferguson in this deal. That's right. Yeah, that that was part of what made it legal, and so the Thunder are basically right at the cap now uh they declined the team option on Deontay Burton although there's talk that they might still bring him back and so assuming that they're able to stay over the cap with with this which I'm sure they'll figure out a way to do that 
then they can still hold on to Danilo Gallinari and potentially sign and trade him. Gallinari has been rumored to go to Atlanta. He and Rondo are supposedly darlings with the Hawks cap space, although Gordon Hayward has also been rumored that we'll try and chase some more of that down tomorrow for you guys. But yeah, I think OKC did well. I mean, they just, they continued to accomplish their mission. They got a couple of European guys that they can hopefully develop and we'll see what ends up happening with them. But, and I mean, their team this year, right? now is they've got uh 54 million dollars worth of centers between al horford and stephen adams and then they got james johnson at the four they still have kelly Oubre, and then shea gilgis alexander darius Baisley. they've got ty Drew. i mean it's gonna be a completely motley crew but hey there aren't gonna be many fans to watch them anyway this year so who cares <laughs> um should we turn to philly now since we just talked about uh, the deal uh, and they they did a lot of stuff as well really remaking their team quite a bit yeah, I, I think that's a totally reasonable way to do it. And with Philly, we already talked about the the big Horford trade. I think the other place to start is is with the other big trade that Daryl Morey made, and that was with the Dallas Mavericks. And so in that deal, Philadelphia traded Josh Richardson and the 36th pick for Seth Curry. And this is a, a another case of, you know, kind of each team valuing what the other player brought to the table, maybe more so than what their, their old holdover did. So Josh Richardson, talented defender, though you could say that's been more limited in recent years after being the apple of our eye, but less as a creator and a scorer. Seth Curry, good off-ball player, can shoot the heck out of the ball, but not as good a defender. And so those guys swap. And then there's the other kind of compelling part of this is the idea of those two players' contracts. So for Philadelphia, Curry is paid $8.2 million for 21-22 and $8.5 million for 22-23. If you think those are reasonable contracts, having him under some sort of cost control is, is totally fine. But then for Dallas... Josh Richardson's structure could be beneficial because he's 10.9 this year and then has that player option. And the player option, assuming Richardson declines it, if he picks it up, then unless he was hurt, that's probably you know fine for them, is that it could end up being a kind of an optionality circumstance, depending on how flexible Richardson is, where they go after big fish. And if they don't get that, well, then you might be able to just bring back Josh Richardson. Yeah. And I think he is undervalued the way that this was done, giving up, what was that, the 36th pick? Yes. As well to move Richardson for curry philly does save money again uh, against the tax which is big and seth curry may easily start for them i don't know if, if he's i mean he's, he's getting up there a little bit in age that ages well he is a solid team defender this isn't going to be a switch team really as long as they have joel Embiid, so you can kind of protect him back there and it's rebuilding this vision around joel Embiid and ben simmons kind of where this team was offensively before they started going crazy i mean first they got jimmy butler and then they got tobias harris and then they got al horford but it's kind of getting back to the team that was that was actually a pretty good offensive team and putting shooting around ben simmons and this is they are going to find out whether joel Embiid and ben simmons can work together by putting enough shooting around them and then if it doesn't they could feel they did an honest attempt at it and just hope that defensively with Danny Green and Simmons and Joel Embiid that you can cobble together maybe not a dominating defense but a pretty good one Tobias Harris will have a little more space to work with as well and not only that but they also saved a, a fair amount of money here with these deals 
They've reduced their tax payment by a ton right now. They are, before the Richardson deal, they saved $7.7 million in salary and $18 million towards the luxury tax. Again, we're, there are these crazy new luxury tax calculations where we're just going to say what the overall number is, not what the adjusted number would be because we don't know exactly what BRI is going to be for next year. And it's just too complicated to account for that as of right now. But they also got Terrence Ferguson, who I think needed a, a fresh start. But you know that a Daryl Morey team... That it's going to be encouraged to bomb away the way he did in high school and maybe he can get his confidence back he's another solid defender who will work well in a drop system he gets over screens pretty well and then they get a bunch more savings for 21 22 and 22 23 and now they actually have some modicum of maneuvering room i mean they, they're not going to be starting every season 15 million over the tax and as much as i'm sure we've criticized Tillman for Tita, for not being willing to go into the tax i don't think daryl morey wants to be 15 million into the tax and just he wants to have some modicum of maneuvering room i think it definitely helps him to be able to pay the tax and i think philly's ownership is going to do that and they still even now with the savings on on the curry deal are seven million dollars into the tax with an 11 million dollar tax payment that's not too bad and then they're and not they could have, even potentially yeah. use the taxpayer mid-level this year if they want. right i mean depending yeah, on how and, and much think, josh harris is willing to pay yeah exactly i mean i think they probably will be able to do that now i mean they'll they, they could use the tax payment level and still not be as expensive as they were going to be before they even filled out their team around the guys that they had so I, I think that's pretty good and then to just get some kind of flexibility for the two or three years going forward to where now you just don't have anything other than tobias harris there's nothing that's like really toxic on the books that you can't move we could also still see mike scott and zaire smith get moved at the deadline that could save them a bunch of money as well i mean they still got matisse thibel on this team too they've got some pretty good defense on this team they could arguably be better defensively this year than they were last year Richardson was a disappointment there Horford was just didn't really do as much as you wanted to at backup center and they couldn't stay in front of anybody at, at the point of attack and so they got Ferguson to do that now Thibault will be a year older so and Curry is actually not a bad defender in the team scheme so we'll see who they can get with that uh, tax mid-level at this point and I didn't think that the pick that they gave up yeah protected one to six you know that's not a lotto protected pick right like to get off a 20 million dollars in salary that's kind of a lotto protected pick late teens 20s that's projected you know this is better than that but it's also four five years out and it's still protected one to six and it it's not going to be a truly truly premium pick that they are going to give up because it's top four protected at least in in all of the years so i think that was this was a fair deal to get off of horford i absolutely would have done this as daryl morey and then tyrese maxi at number 21 also someone who really fits into a need that they had for another ball handler surely more pick and roll ability will be what they are targeting with that taxpayer mle or maybe a, a trade as well maxi is a combo guard out of kentucky didn't shoot it well from three this year but had a reputation as a shooter has a good floater game competes defensively it really you know not a great passer but they've got ben simmons to do some of that already so just a combo scoring guard would fit in pretty well with this group yeah he's probably not going to help the first year but he's also if he's good a year or two from now presumably Embiid and simmons will still be around he is a good fit next to them and anything then, else we got to talk about on Philly? yeah 
couple things. Uh, so yeah. Philly ended up, we, they had all these surplus seconds, and so we, were, we knew they were going to do something with it. I don't think it, we necessarily expected the Horford trade and the, the Richardson-Curry deal, though that's how they used, they used 34 in the Horford deal, 36 in the Richardson-Curry deal, but they still had two more seconds. 49 they used on Isaiah, Isaiah Joe, and then 58 on analytics darling Paul Reed. Yeah, Isaiah Joe is a very skinny 6'5 shooter. Reed, someone that many projected to go much higher. I would say that Jordan Bell is kind of the comp for him, I would say. And he's got some ability to run the floor, some shooting ability of those shots. He's got a little bit of a hitch in it, but lots of blocks, lots of steals. Needs to lock in and be a little more consistent defensively. Also a wonderful rebounder, which Bell isn't so much. He's got more size than Bell also. So definitely an analytics darling with the blocks and the steals. Many had him in the top 30. So to get him at 58, we'll see what kind of a contract he ends up on, whether it's a two-way or a normal NBA contract. All right, thanks so much for listening to this special sneak preview of Dunked On Prime. This is going to be our last sneak preview for a while here, so if you want to get our analysis of all the trades, all the free agent signings on Friday, please sign up for Dunked On Prime. Link is in the show notes, dunkedonprime.supportingcast.fm. We also have special pricing for those in difficult financial situations. You can check my pinned tweet, read that letter. There's instructions on how to access that. You just send us a brief email at dunkedonprime at gmail.com explaining your situations and we will green light you for that. And of course, you'll also get with Total Access, we have that mock off season sale right now. Access to the cap sheets that Danny and I use. Get that year round. You can get 35% off the monthly price for a year membership, our second best deal we've ever offered besides the founding membership. So please, if you haven't yet, give that a shot or even just give us a shot with the monthly membership and you can always cancel it if you don't like it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 